It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. I don't like debt, especially when interest is attached to it. And I've often wondered who gave that increase in indebtedness the name interest. Maybe it's because I was interested in borrowing money or using a credit card or Probably they were interested in making money off of my indebtedness. Regardless, I don't like it. You can, you can buy a $10 meal, and if you let it ride on your credit card for month after month after month, you can end up paying triple or quadruple for that meal. So anyway, that's beside the point. That's not what I'm talking about. This podcast is about seven spiritual debts you owe. And just like we have to pay off our natural debts in order for our credit score to be good. So you've got kind of a credit score with heaven, so to speak. And you need to pay off your spiritual debts. And there are seven specific debts that you owe. And I've got scripture for it. Now, don't get negative in your response and don't get worried and anxious and say, well, I'm turning this podcast off. It's actually going to be very edifying. In the end, it's going to be much of a blessing to learn this revelation. Let's start with Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22. It says in that verse that Jesus became the surety of a better covenant. Now, that's a Bible word that we don't use anymore. Surety, well, that's similar to the cosigner of a note. If your credit's not so hot and somebody who has good credit comes alongside you and they stand good for your debt and if you can't pay it off, they will, that's similar to the biblical idea of surety. And our credit wasn't so hot spiritually. In fact, it was really bad. But Jesus, who had absolute excellent credit, came and stood by us and said, I'll stand good for your debt. He became surety for us, the surety of a better covenant. Because in order to enter into the new covenant, our debt has to be paid off, and then we can participate in the covenant. Well, he became the surety that made that all possible. Let me show you the irony of that, though. In Proverbs chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the wisdom writer said this, My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth, and you are taken by the words of your mouth. In other words, you become your own worst enemy if you co-sign. Quite often, I bought two cars that I never drove because somebody told me, I'll pay it off. Brother Mike, if you'll just go ahead and sign for it, I promise I'll have my payment in every month. Well, it never happened, and I bought the car, and they drove it, and God bless them for it because Jesus said, lend hoping for nothing in return. 
That's what happened for me. So Proverbs 11.15 goes the same direction. It says, He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. Finally, Proverbs 22 verse 26 says, Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debt. So over and over, God tells us not to do it. He says, you're asking for trouble. You're going to suffer for it if you do this. Well, that's not always the case because there's a lot of good people who do pay off their debts. But this is a warning because more often than not, if you participate in this very often, you're going to get burned. But the interesting thing is the very thing God told you and me not to do, he did because he knew good and well we could not pay off the debt when we entered into a relationship with him. He knew it would fall on him. And of course, that took place at the cross where he took the sin debt for every one of us and paid it off with the death that he suffered. That should make us so grateful there's no words to describe it. So, number one, we owe a sevenfold spiritual debt back to him. And number one is we owe a debt of love. We owe a debt of love. Psalms 37 verse 21 says the wicked borrows and does not repay. So if we don't pay him back in a sense for the love he has expressed toward us, if we don't love him back with the same kind of self-sacrificing love, a willingness to be crucified with Christ, to die to the world, to die to self, to die to sin, to die to satanic influence, and just follow his will with all our heart, mind, soul, and spirit, then we're not paying off our debt. We owe a debt of love to him, and not only to him, but to others. Because Romans 13, 8 says, owe no one anything Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And so this debt we owe, this debt of love, is both vertical and horizontal, which forms a cross, incidentally. You owe a debt of love to God, which is total self-sacrifice in your relationship with him. You owe a debt of love to others, which quite often involves great sacrifice as you commit yourself to help those around you that need help, to give hope to those who need hope, and to love the loveless, the unlovely, and the unloving, because Jesus even said, love your enemies. So number one, we owe a debt of love. Next, we owe a debt of forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, when Jesus gave what has been called the Lord's Prayer, there's a line in there that most of us trip over because it's very demanding. It's easy to say, give us this day our daily bread. It's not so easy to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So, is that a good thing or a bad thing that we ask that? 
Because if we're bitter and unforgiving, if we hold grudges easily, if it boils inside of us constantly, if we get upset at people just because they're blessed in a certain way and we're not, and we're bitter over their beneficial happenings in their lives and and blessing from God in their lives because maybe we feel like they slighted us in some way. All of that activity going on in our minds and hearts can be very self-destructive. Unforgiveness is not destructive to the person you refuse to forgive. It's destructive to you. Let me take you into a parable that Jesus gave in response to Peter. Peter was all the time opening mouth, inserting foot, saying things that got him in big trouble. And one particular time, he thought he was being extremely generous, extremely compassionate. He said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? Can't you see that little religious look creeping into his grin, thinking this is really a magnanimous act of mercy? How often should I forgive my brother until seven times? Jesus responded with the most unbelievable statement, unbelievable to Peter, most likely. I can see it. You can see it. But Peter must have been boggled in his mind over it. Jesus said, I do not say unto you unto seven times, but unto 70 times seven, which incidentally is 490 times. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. If someone was to do something to offend you, to hurt you, to harm you, 490 times in a day, that's one time every three minutes. Of course, Jesus didn't put a day limit on it, but I'm just showing you the extent of what he's communicating They'd have to work overtime to be offensive to you and then ask to be forgiven and then be offensive to you and ask to be forgiven and go without sleep 24 hours every three minutes to offend you 490 times. And if they ask to be forgiven, you're still duty-bound to forgive. And then Jesus gave a parable. He said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. That's about $150 million in modern currency. And I worked that out a couple of years ago with the inflation that's going on right now. It's probably double that for all I know, but $150 million. But as he was not able to pay, His master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, because if we don't pay off our spiritual debts, we're not the only ones that suffer. The people around us suffer as well. The servant fell down before him and said, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant moved with compassion, released him, and forgave all the debt. He didn't give him more time to pay it off. He forgave the debt entirely. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is about $362. And again, with inflation the way it is, it's probably 
much more than that. And he laid hands on his fellow servant, took him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him and said, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison, which doesn't make any sense. How can anybody make money in prison? But threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved. They came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said, you wicked servant. He's not a thief. He's not an adulterer. He's not committed any kind of crime. And yet he calls him wicked because he would not forgive. You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay off all that was due to him, which sounds really severe. But then Jesus said, so my heavenly father will also do to each of you from if you from your heart, do not forgive his brother. Everyone is trespasses. The most tortured people I know are the ones that are bitter and unforgiving. It has a very detrimental effect on the mind. We owe a spiritual debt of forgiveness. I am awed by the fact that Jesus has forgiven me of sins that should have separated me from him forever. The same is true with respect to you. I've got to learn how to forgive others. Number three, we owe a debt to the lost. And this is one I believe a lot of Christians need to review in their thinking because I don't see a lot of believers witnessing their faith. I don't see a lot of people passionate to reach those who don't know the Lord yet. Romans 1.14, Paul said, I am a debtor. And if he was, I am. He said, I am a debtor to the Greeks and to the barbarians, to the wise and to the unwise. And then he went on to say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And he was talking about how he was a debtor to two different types of people because he had been a part of both of those worlds. He was very familiar with Greek philosophy and he was very familiar with the barbarians because he had acted like a barbarian when he was murdering Christians, thinking he was doing God a service, right? So he realized that he owed a debt to people that regard wisdom highly, and he owed a debt to people that do the most despicable deeds, to the Greeks and to the barbarians. And so he was used of God to reach both groups. He reached the intellectuals, because he had a very intellectual way of presenting the mysteries of God. But he also reached the real down and out people. And he was the one apostle that passionately went to the Gentiles. So he was a debtor and he paid off his debt. Well, I'm a debtor in a lot of ways. I was raised Catholic and spent all my years up to about the age of 12 or 13 involved deeply in the Catholic Church. I was an altar boy. I was sprinkled as a child, received Holy Communion, went through confirmation, and you're supposed to be, supposedly, according to their doctrine, born again when you're sprinkled and filled with the Holy Spirit when you're confirmed. 
Well, neither of those things happened to me. I was not born again until I was 19 years old. So I owe a debt to Catholics that still don't know about that spiritual rebirth. And that's why we're launching a project to reach Catholics. In fact, I'm 99% through writing a book called The Beliefs and Practices of the Catholic Church. And the subtitle is 25 Questions from a Former Catholic Who Loves Catholics. And we are launching a project, hopefully, to get off the ground in January. And we've got a lot to do before then. I want a website, a brand new website that's totally for Catholic people. And this book is for Catholic people. It's written not just for Protestants to read about Catholicism. I'm sure they can glean good from it, but it's written with a Catholic audience in mind because I want to share with them the things that transform my life. I'm not an angry Catholic. I have nothing but good memories, but I do see things in the Word of God now much different than I did then. And then for a period of time, I was immersed in Eastern religions. And most of you that know me know that for 20 years, I've been very involved since the turn of the millennium in reaching out to yoga advocates, New Agers, people in that are into Buddhism and Hinduism. And of course, back in the 80s, I took, and the 90s as well, I took mission trips to India. So I've, I've been paying off that spiritual debt in a sense, not because I felt duty bound to do it. It was a love motive. But still, if God ever brings you out of a certain kind of darkness, you earn the right to reach back into that same group and have an impact. And those are not the only areas. There's other areas that I have taken this spiritual indebtedness on uh, to reach people going through some of the same things I went through in life. You owe a spiritual debt. If God's delivered you from alcoholism, try to search out the alcoholics in your city, in your community, because that's a debt that you owe. It's very important that you pay it off. And I could go through a whole list of things. Next, number four, we owe a debt to the Holy Spirit. If you've been regenerated, if the Spirit of truth leads you and guides you into all truth, if you have received the Spirit of God into your heart and into your life, you owe a debt. And Romans 8 talks about it. Starting with verse 10, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, and the word therefore means a conclusion has been reached. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. I don't owe anything to this body. This body owes me. I don't owe anything to it, except for the privilege of having a human body that can contain a soul. But we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you shall live. And so if this wonderful Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead has raised you from the dead also, you owe a debt to the Holy Spirit to follow his leadings and to provide him a channel that he can move through. 
and to give the Holy Spirit control of your decisions so that you're constantly checking in your spirit with the Holy Spirit concerning what to do with your day, where to go, what to do, what God wants you to use your time for. You owe a debt to the Holy Spirit. Next, we owe a debt to the covenant we're participating in. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5 says, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. In other words, if you're going to take any portion of the law, the 613 commandments of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, in order to be justified before God, if you're going to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this or do that in order to be right in the sight of God, I'm going to keep all the dietary laws of the Torah, I'm going to do this, do that, then you're a debtor to keep the whole law. Do it all or participate fully in the new covenant. That doesn't mean we're lawless because there's a thousand and fifty commandments in the new covenant. I'll give you the whole list if you email me from my website. But basically what this is saying is if you're going to receive the benefits of any given covenant, you owe a debt to fulfill the commands of that covenant in order to receive the promises. You fulfill your part, God fulfills his part. Next, number six, we owe a debt to those who have been used of God to bless us. I owe a debt to the man who won me to the Lord. It interrupted his day. He followed the leading of the Spirit. He was two miles away from me walking in a laundromat, and God spoke to his heart to get back in his van and start driving. His prayer group had been praying for me for almost a month. He never picked up hitchhikers, but he picked me up because he overrode his own fear of doing that or reluctance of doing that to follow God. I owe a debt to him the rest of my life and really for eternity. And there's certain people that I owe a debt to. Jamie Buckingham was a friend of mine and he gave me pointers about writing that I still remember to this day. He was one of the main editors, the chief editor, I believe, at Charisma Magazine. Wonderful man of God. I owe a debt to him. And there's others in my life that have had a real impact. I've won over 70,000 people to the Lord in all the plus 50 years of ministry. I guess it's 51 years of ministry now. And very few of those have ever come back to become partners with us to help us continue with the work of God. And I think that's probably indicative of the fact uh, that many people forget who brought them into the kingdom, who prayed for them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Some of our partners are people I prayed with to receive the baptism when they were children or when they were teenagers, and they've never forgotten that God used me in that integral way. It was God who gave them the Holy Spirit, but they remember the person God used. And I think that's something we need to pray about. If there are leaders, pastors, evangelists, prophets, 
people with an apostolic calling that have really impacted your life, don't forget them. Where do I get that? It's Romans 15, verses 26 and 27. It ple- uh, Paul is writing the Roman church, by the way. And he said, it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. Because the Jerusalem church was very impoverished, being persecuted by the Jewish people. And then Paul said, it pleased them indeed and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is to also minister to them in material things. So the people of Macedonia and Achaia had received the gospel through the Jewish church. And Paul is saying, you owe a debt back to the Jewish church. They're in trouble right now under Roman oppression, and they're impoverished as a result, and you need to bless them back in a material way. We owe a debt to those who have been used of God to bless us. And finally, number seven, we owe a debt of worship. A debt of worship. Where do I get that? Luke chapter 7, verses 41 through 47. A beautiful story. It was actually a parable that Jesus gave after a demonstration of worship had taken place. Uh, a woman came into a house where Jesus was and she knelt before the Lord. She washed his feet with her tears. She dried his feet with her hair. She put fragrant oil on him. And the person, Simon, whose home it was, was somewhat taken aback. He was offended by that because he thought, I know what manner of woman this is, and she shouldn't be touching this man who is the Messiah. But Jesus gave him a parable. Now, this is again in Luke chapter 7, verses 41 through 47. And he, and he recognized that this man was being very judgmental and prideful religiously concerning this woman who was brokenhearted with gratitude and pouring out adoration on the feet of Jesus. And he said, let me, let me tell you a parable, Simon. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, and one owed 500 denarii, and the other owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one will love him the most? And of course, he answered, well, I suppose the one he forgave more. And then Jesus said, you've rightly judged. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She's washed my feet with her tears. You gave me no kiss. This woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say unto you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. For to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So we owe a debt. He put it in the terms of indebtedness. We owe a debt of worship for the miraculous way Jesus has saved us and brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Pay off your spiritual debt this week. Let me sum it up one more time. 
Number one, you owe a debt of love. Number two, you owe a debt of forgiveness. Number three, you owe a debt to the lost. Number four, you owe a debt to the Holy Spirit. Number five, you owe a debt to the covenant you're participating in. Number six, you owe a debt to those who have blessed you in any way in your life, ministerially and and other ways. And number seven, you owe a debt of worship. Pay it off this week. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.